0: Well, good evening. You don't know how good it is to be back in church with you all tonight. Uh, you don't seem too excited that I'm back, but oh well, deal with it, I'm back. All right. We had a wonderful time. For those of you who prayed for us, I want you to know that we certainly appreciate it. Uh, I know that we were at least mentioned a couple of times because we watched each of the services online, uh, not because I couldn't get away from you, but uh, because... There are not a lot of churches that have church very often over in Hawaii, and so uh, in order to be in church, we enjoyed it via Facebook. So anyways, uh, it's good to be in church with you all tonight, and it's good to be here in person, and I would like to remind you and encourage you about something that I have mentioned before as a result of us visiting other churches while on vacation, and that is this, the need for us to be a friendly church got to catch my breath. It is so important that we be a friendly church. When we see faces that we don't know, that we don't recognize, it is highly important that we make ourselves friendly to them. When we were at the church on Sunday, we got there a few minutes before the service started. We sat down. Nobody from the church spoke to us, literally no one, Uh, not the preacher, not his wife, not anyone. The only people who spoke to us were other visitors at the church. And you knew you were visitors because they gave you this little shell necklace thing to wear. That was kind of like the identifying mark. So all the visitors had on shells. And uh, the only people who spoke to us were other visitors. And this is at an independent fundamental Baptist church. And I thought to myself... This just didn't right. And on the way out, we shook the preacher's hand. He never said, good to have you. He never said, now, what was your name? Where are you from? Or anything of that nature. Just shook our hand and we were on our way. So let me just encourage you, not because you're in trouble. And I just want to say, I'm reminded once again from our experience. Don't ever come in and see a visitor and not be willing to greet them. And it may be out of your comfort zone to do it. But I'm just saying it makes all the difference in the world to that visitor as to how friendly we are to them. So that's why I'm glad to be here, to be around people that will actually speak to me. Anyways, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we are going to get started. And trust that this message, I hope that this message will be a help to us. Fathers, we come to you in prayer this evening. It is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, it's good to be with your people. And Lord, it is good uh, for us as a family to be back with the church family. God, I thank you that uh, we can have this time together. And I pray that you'd bless the effort to preach your word. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we're going to begin what I would call just a mini series. I really have no idea how long this is going to last. Uh, probably just a couple of weeks, three weeks, maybe four weeks at the most. Uh, I enjoy doing character studies. I enjoy looking at people. I enjoy trying to learn from them what is able to be learned from them. And so last week while we were on vacation, I was doing my Bible reading, and I came across a passage that I've never really considered or given a lot of attention to. And I was thinking to myself, I I think there is something to that. I I think there is something that could be developed there. And so, as I was having my Bible reading and I was looking ahead to uh, preaching and being prepared for tonight, uh, all that was working in my mind. And then I listened to Brother Chad's sermon, or we listened to Brother Chad's sermon uh, Sunday morning. And uh, he touched on some of the very same characters that we're going to be looking at, not just tonight, but in the next couple of weeks. And I thought, what confirmation? here I am on vacation doing my Bible reading, and the Lord seems to be prompting me to deal with this. And then Brother Chad addresses some of the same people and mentions some of the same people. So that's what we're going to do. That's how we got there. And again, I hope that this is a help to us. But tonight I want to share a story with you from this past week on our vacation. It's something that I noticed. It's something that gotten my attention and though it happened to us while on vacation it is something that has probably happened to all of us and it could happen to any of us really at any given area but where we stayed was kind of off the beating path it was kind of isolated it was somewhat secluded and so you had to leave where we were staying and you had to drive up a road make a couple of turns and you came to this fork in the road where you had to turn left or right those were your only two good options okay if you were to go straight you would have gone off a cliff and probably plummeted to your death so you understand left or right was one of the better options that we had available to us and we generally went right because there were some things that that direction that we uh... were enjoying that we wanted to go back to several different times and so we would turn right at that particular stop sign we would make our way down this road the curves and the twists and the turns that that required us to get to where we were going But we came to this bridge that was a one-lane bridge, all right, just a one-lane bridge, and you had to wait your turn to get across on this particular bridge. And once you made your way across the bridge, the natural flow of the road took you to the right, and you just continued going down this little highway that led you to where you were going. So that is the flow of traffic, that is the direction that almost every car took, but what was interesting was this, is that though the road went to the right, and that's the direction that most people went, there was this road available to the left. The thing about this road was this, that in order to make this turn to the road to the left, you had to cut in front of the traffic that was waiting to come across the bridge so it wasn't the most convenient of turns to make and if you happen to be coming from the other direction it wasn't an easy right hand turn it was a hard right hand turn and so it was one of those things again where you saw nobody traveling that road except I saw one person make the turn and whenever I saw that person make the turn here's what I said to myself if they can make the turn I can make the turn. I want to know what's down that road. So we came to that one-lane bridge. It was our time to come across. And I don't remember if it was on the way there or on the way back, but here's what I determined. I don't care. I'm turning. And that's what we did, and we drove the road until it became a dead end, and we turned around and came back, and we enjoyed what scenery we saw. Now, the point or the principle that I want us to think in or think of as as I tell you that story, again, something that we've all experienced, I'm sure, at some point, is this, is that this particular road had a natural flow that everyone was taking, and yet there was something else available that you could enjoy if you made the choice. But you had to make the deliberate choice in order to be able to enjoy it because it was not natural for you to go that direction. Now as you think about that, tonight I want us to be in 2 Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings chapter 16. As you're finding your place there, I want to ask you a question tonight. I'm going to be asking you several questions as we go throughout this sermon Because I want us to think about some things. I want us to give some attention to some things. But how many of you are like me, and you'd have to be honest tonight and say this, that sometimes when you read through the Old Testament, you fail to connect the dots the way the dots ought to be connected. You ever been guilty of that? You know, you're, you're reading, like, for example, where we're at tonight. You're in 2 Kings chapter 15, so you come to 2 Kings chapter 16, and, and because there's a break in the chapters, for me at least, there's a break in the thought process. So you kind of forget that chapter 16 was attached to chapter 15, and chapter 17 is attached to chapter 16. Have you ever been guilty of that? Amen. All right. I've been guilty of that so many times. And so, again, this week, as I was studying and thinking about it last week and and trying to put the thoughts together, it was like little light bulbs began to go off in my head and say, you know, the the light bulbs, they they didn't say this, but it was kind of like it spelled it out for me. Like, hey, dummy, do you realize this is all connected? And so as I began to realize that, I thought, you know, there's some good preaching here. There's some really good preaching here. And so tonight I want us to look in verse number one. In verse number 1 of chapter 16, it says this, In the seventh year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. So in verse number 16, we read of Ahaz coming to the throne and beginning to reign there in the land of Judah. Ahaz, you don't have a whole lot of information given about him or of him, but in verse number 2 it says this, 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And what it says next in verse number 2 is pretty important. It says this of Ahaz, it says, And did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father. So what it says of Ahaz in verse number 2 is this, is that he did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So if the scripture says that he did not do what was right, then what must that mean by way of obvious implication? Well, it means this, that he did that which was wrong in the sight of God, correct? It's not like there are a whole lot of options available. If you don't do right there's a real good chance you're doing wrong. If you're not living righteously, there's a real good chance you're living wickedly. You're living an ungodly lifestyle. So when it says that Ahaz did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, then here is what we know. We know that he lived a life that was contrary to God's will for his life. He was not one who who made the effort to live in obedience to God's word. Now, you and I understand this, that there are many people in that position, right? They choose not to live in obedience to the Word of God. They choose not to live in a, in a way that is right in the sight of God. But at the same time, here's what we know. We know that some people seem to take it to the next level by way of their ungodliness or their wickedness or, or their sinful activities. And Ahaz was one of those individuals. How do we know? Because it says in verse number 3, But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire according to to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. So what did Ahaz find himself involved in? What did he find himself engaged in? Well, he found himself involved and engaged in idolatry and the worship of false gods. This should sound familiar somewhat uh, because of what Brother Chad preached Sunday morning, okay? Here is what Ahaz found himself committed to, not just ignoring the things of God, but adamantly serving and worshiping false gods. So much so to the point that it says in verse number 3 that he made at least one son pass through the fire, which indicates this, is that he at some point in his life at least offered one of his children up as a sacrifice to the false god that he served. So here is Ahaz and the scripture clearly says he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord and he gave his son by way of a sacrifice to the false gods and he sacrificed and he burnt incense in the high places, on the hills and under every green tree. So as you imagine the lifestyle that Ahaz adopted for himself, I want you to answer this question. What must it have been like? to have grown up in a home like this one. Now, if you think about it, just by way of observation of today's circumstances and today's situations, here is what you would have to conclude, if you're honest, that to grow up in an environment like that, it is not an environment that is ever envied. It is always an environment that is pitied. Would we agree? Please don't make me regret coming back, all right? Think about this. There were other children growing up in this home where dad adamantly served false idols. They had at least one brother who had been sacrificed. To these idols, I'm not saying that I know the tone of the house, the nature of the house, the the, the spirit of the house, but I would say this, that there would be nothing about that home that we would look at and say, man, aren't those kids lucky to be a part of a family like that? It was a wicked, ungodly home, and the consequences of that would have abounded all throughout the house. Now as you think about that, think about the children more specifically for the children growing up in an environment like that what would seem to be the most natural path for their future for their future any ideas any thoughts just think about it what would most likely be in the future of those children that grew up in an environment like that. Most likely, it would be a life of ungodliness. Most likely, a life of idolatry. The future, most likely, would would look much like the past. You understand this, don't you? See, again, if you look at current situations today, when you find someone who is living in a bad situation... As terrible as it is, you know what it almost seems to be in in so many of these situations? It seems to be a generational problem. It doesn't matter that this particular situation is terrible, that this particular situation is awful. What you tend to find is this, is that how this person is living today is very similar to how they were raised, and the children that they now have, it seems like they are headed in the exact same path that their parents were on, that their grandparents were on, that their great-grandparents were on. It seems like many times it is a generational issue that you are watching where it's one generation living in the same sin, dealing with the same consequences as the previous generation, that seems to just be the natural flow of children that they They tend to mimic and recreate and reproduce in their own lives what they grew up in because for them that is their sense or their idea of what is normal. If you don't believe it, go visit the bus route sometime and see how long these families have been living these kinds of lifestyles. It's usually not a first-generation issue that you're looking at. So here is Ahaz. He's not lived a life that is right in the sight of the Lord. He's served false idols. He has offered at least one son to an idol by way of an offering or a sacrifice. So the assumption then would be something like this kind of like that road that everyone just seemed to naturally go on, you would assume that that's probably the direction that the children took. Just continued to serve the same gods that dad did, that that dad offered sacrifices to, etc. But go over to chapter 18. In chapter 18, verse number 1, we read a verse of Scripture that, honestly, to me, wouldn't have gotten my attention until this past week. But it says in verse number 1, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah began to reign. So what's happened? Well, Ahaz has died, correct? And his son, it says, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. So in verse number 2 it says, Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, that being Hezekiah. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, or Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. So notice in verse number 3 what it says. It says, And he did that which was right, In the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. So, in verse number three, what does it say, just by way of a paraphrase or a summary of the life of Hezekiah? It says this that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So if he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, what does that then imply? It implies he did not do that which was wrong or evil or wicked or ungodly in the sight of the Lord. Hezekiah did right. Now, what all did that mean? Well, that's something we'll deal with in future messages. But I want us to see this. It says that Hezekiah... Did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Here's what Hezekiah did. He did that which was pleasing, that which was upright, that which was appropriate. Hezekiah said, this is the way I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Now think about this. That is not at all how he was raised. That is not at all the influence that he was given. That is not at all the example that he was given. Hezekiah saw many things and he experienced many things, no doubt, that he should not have had to experience in a home like that. But nonetheless, that is what he saw, that is what he experienced, that is what he dealt with. But there came a point in his life where Hezekiah realized something. There is another road I can take. You following this? I don't have to do what dad did. I don't have to do what everyone else has done. This may be the direction that is natural. This may be the direction that goes with the flow. This may be the direction that doesn't really have any resistance to it. This may be what everyone else does, but there is a different road available to me. And so though dad did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord... I am choosing today to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. I'm going to go a different direction, even though it may not be easy, even though it may not be popular, even though people may not understand it, even though it may frustrate some people. I have the ability to choose a different road. And you know what Hezekiah did? He made the choice to go a different direction for his life And said, I am going to serve the Lord. I don't care what dad did. I don't care what mom did. It doesn't matter. I'm serving the Lord. That's really, really encouraging. Because he realized, as I just said, I can go a different direction and it's encouraging for this reason, because what was available to Hezekiah has continued to be available to people for generations after him. You realize this, don't you? You should. So why should I realize this? Think about this. Not all of us were raised in church, right? Yeah, not all of us were raised in church. I had the privilege of being raised in church. So for me to stay in church, for me to stay connected to the house of God and to the people of God, you know what that was like for me? That was like just following the natural flow of the road. That was easy for me. It didn't really cause any waves, it didn't really cause any ruffled feathers. It, it was just, it was normal for me. But see, that wasn't the case for everyone in here tonight. See, if you think about it, here's what happened for some of you. You grew up in a home that you really had no say as to some of the things that you saw and some of the things that you experienced, right, that were not of a godly nature. You you, you saw some things that, that did not please the Lord. You experienced some things that God was not pleased with at all. But see, there came a point in your life where you realized, though that may be the flow, that may be the direction that is natural for me, That may be what dad and mom did. That may be what grandparents did. That may be what aunts and uncles and cousins are doing. Though that may be what everyone else is doing, you realize there is a different road available. Isn't that encouraging? You had the ability to choose a different direction for your life. You were not destined and you were not predetermined to go down this path of destruction just because everyone else in your family may have been on that path. You had the ability to notice, you know what, over here is a different way of life. Over here is a different direction I can take. Over here is a life with God which produces peace and happiness and joy and contentment and so many other things. And though it required maybe a hard right, so to speak, in your life, you were able to take that road. And I hope that your testimony would be this, that you've enjoyed the journey ever since you've made the turn. If you haven't, woe is you. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's not the popular road. No, it's not the road that's highly traveled. But it was available. And you said, I'm taking it. And that's what I'm doing with my life and that's the direction we're going to go. I'm going to take my family this direction. I know that's not the way I was raised, but we're doing something different. And you may be first-generation Christians. You may be second-generation Christians. But if you were honest, many of you would have to say, it's still pretty new to our family, this whole path we're taking. But God made it available. And you sit here and you say, okay, well, fine. I mean, yeah, I realize that, and I'm thankful for it, and that's, it's good. That doesn't really do much for me now. Okay, well, it needs to. So why does it need to do anything for me now? Well, for this reason. You know, I mentioned a minute ago this road that we had to take, Susie and I and the kids did, and you had to go down this road or go off a cliff. It was pretty simple. Okay. Think about this. As you and I go through life, guess what we've got to do? We've got to go down a road. I know this is a very simple illustration, but just work with me, okay? you got to go down a road, and as a result of going down a road, what do you have to do? You and I have to experience certain things. Do we not? Sometimes we have to experience certain things that we would rather not experience, and we've got to deal with things we'd rather not deal with, and we've got to see things that we'd rather not see. That is the way that life seems to work for all of us, that sometimes we just have to deal with things that we'd rather not have to deal with. So when we have to deal with things that we'd rather not have to deal with, whatever those things may be, I want us to focus on this thought for just a moment, though we could take it so many different directions. I want us to focus on this thought that what you and I experience and what you and I deal with and what you and I see, it's not new to this world. It just happens to be new to us. Everything that you and I experience, other people have experienced similar things. Now, as you think about that, as we're on this road of life, And we're having to experience certain things that maybe we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves, but God has allowed it to come into our lives. As it has happened to so many other people, you know what the world tends to do? The world tends to just kind of go the flow of everyone else and just kind of do what everyone else does in a situation like that. Have you ever noticed this? Mankind really isn't that too creative in their response to the situations of life. See, certain things happen and things like this happen. People get angry because that's the natural tendency of things. I didn't want that to happen. I don't like what's happening. I, I didn't appreciate what happened here. And so as a result, here's what naturally happens. They get angry at the circumstances. I didn't want to lose my job. Well, yeah, I mean, very few people do want to lose their job. Well, I didn't want to deal with that financial distress. I understand. Nobody signs up for that. I didn't want to lose that loved one. I know. Nobody ever says that it's time to lose the loved one. I get it. But here is the natural response of so many people, for them to be angry when life brings them to those points in their lives. Many times the natural response is this, to become bitter to their circumstances. You know I'm not making this up, right? It's not like you'd have to leave town to find a bitter person. I've never met one here in Pampa, and I don't know what to be like. You know? No, listen, bitter people are everywhere. What are they bitter about? They're bitter about their circumstances. They were angry. They never got over it. And and bitterness set in. And bitterness is just the way that people respond so many times to the circumstances of life. So you talk to them and it begins to spill out of them. It begins to overflow from their lives. And what are they bitter about? They're bitter about something that happened two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it may be. But that is the natural flow of, of mankind. So when this happens, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. So I'm just going to be bitter with the circumstances let's listen now if they don't respond with anger or bitterness this often happens especially in the lives of Christians they begin to backslide you know that that's the truth right well if that's the way it's going to be I'm not sure I really want to serve the Lord You know, if God's going to allow this to happen, I just I don't know if I I don't know if I'm gonna serve him, you know. What what good has it done me to serve him all this time? You know, I just I just I'm gonna back off a little bit. I'm just gonna take it easy a little bit. I I don't necessarily enjoy that. You know how many people have let the circumstances of their life justify them backsliding in their relationship with the Lord? It's as natural as anger. And bitterness and resentment. This oftentimes is a very natural response to become very worldly and secular in your thought process. You talk to people who have been going through circumstances and they're dealing with certain situations, and you begin to visit with them and you hear them talk, and you realize they're not thinking spiritually anymore. They're not. They're not thinking like someone who is led by the Spirit. They are thinking like someone who is led by the flesh. They haven't prayed about this. They haven't spent any time seeking the Lord's will in this. They are simply responding according to their flesh. I'm just telling you, that's the natural response of so many people. Now, what I'm trying to show us tonight is this, by way of principle and through application, and that is... As we go through life, we are going to find ourselves in positions that we have no control over. Much like Hezekiah had no control over who his parents were and the lifestyle that he was surrounded by and the consequences of it, you and I are going to go through circumstances that we have no control over, that we don't like. And you know what our tendency is going to be? To head in the same direction of every other person before us. You think none of us have ever struggled with anger toward God because of situations that we didn't especially appreciate? You think none of us tonight are guilty of that? If you think no one's guilty of it, I I just want to set your mind at ease and let you know, I've been angry with God doesn't mean it's right, but see, it, it, it was the natural path. It was the natural flow. It was the natural progression. It, it was just what was easier. And so whenever that happened, I got angry and I got upset. And, and, and do you think nobody in this church has ever dealt with bitterness? They didn't like what was happening. They didn't like what was taking place. They didn't appreciate what was going on in their lives. And so the natural reaction was bitterness. And, and, and if you think that nobody in this church has ever been backslidden, you're not being honest with yourself. Because every one of us have been backslidden at different times in our lives. Not a, not, listen, not any of us have maintained the Christian walk with God in the way that we should. We should. And if you want to sit here tonight and suggest you've never been backslidden, I won't trust you with anything else you'll ever say. Because we have all been backslidden at different times in our lives. And if you think that we're always spiritual in our thought process, you're greatly mistaken. Things happen, and what do we do? We start thinking like the world. We start thinking according to the flesh. We start thinking according to, to our desires, whatever it may be. And, and, and here's what I'm trying to show us, and again, I hope this is helpful, and I hope it's, it's good for us. I want us to th- see that, that there have been so many times that we have responded to the situations of life like everyone else. Not me. Yes, You. We've done it. And you know what we need to be reminded of? Though that may be the natural flow, though that may be what everyone else tends to do, though that may be what our flesh would like to do, you know what we've got to be reminded of? We've got to be reminded that there is another way available, there is another route available, and we don't have to go the way of everyone else. We can choose to respond in a way that is right and pleasing to the Lord. When things happen that we don't like, we don't have to get angry. Yeah, but it's hard to not get angry. I know, it's kind of like a hard left turn or a hard right turn. I understand it's not easy, but it's available. We don't have to be angry people. You and I do not have to be bitter people. But you just don't understand the situation I've dealt with. You just don't understand everything that I've seen. You don't understand how I've been wronged. I may not understand it, but I know this. Bitterness is not something you have to have in your life. You can get victory over it, and you can find forgiveness, and you can find peace, and you can find some kind of resolution with whatever the past may be. You and I don't have to be bitter unless we choose to be bitter. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be bitter. The circumstances of life don't have to backslide us. They don't have to. Just because life's gotten hard doesn't mean that we have to stop having our time in prayer with the Lord. And we've got to stop reading our Bible because we're just so discouraged. And, and I don't even know if I want to go to church right now. I'm just, I'm just so discouraged. Listen, that's nonsense. It is absolute nonsense. We do not have to backslide just because life's gotten hard. There is another route available where we can do what is right if we want. I don't have to get carnal and you don't have to get carnal in my way of thinking or in your way of thinking. You can step back from the situation and you can say something like this. I know what my flesh wants to do right now, but before I take a step, before I make a move, I'm going to consult the mind of God and know what He would have me to do in this particular situation of life. See, I think this is what happens so many times. Maybe not to you, but it happens so many times in the lives of other people. Things happen. We don't like it. Everyone else is doing this, going here, taking this direction, making these moves for their lives, taking these steps, whatever it may be, and we assume that that's because that everyone is going that direction. That must be what we need to do. And it is amazing, isn't it, how easily we can justify it? Everybody else is doing it. It must be all right. Everybody else is doing it this way. It must be okay. And it is amazing how easily we can justify taking a road we have no business being on. And I just want us to be reminded tonight that there are other roads available than what everyone else is doing. We can actually do what is right in the sight of God. And I'm not suggesting that I know tonight of something that's going on in someone's life and I know that you need this because you've been doing what everybody else is doing and you're not taking the right road. I'm not saying that I know that to be the case, but I would say this, I know it's possible. That the way you've been living, if you'd just be honest, you'd have to say something like this, you know, I've just kind of been doing what everyone else is doing, and I've just kind of been doing, going my own way, what just kind of felt natural, what just kind of felt right, and I've not consulted the mind of God in this. Just want to remind you that if you're just kind of doing what's natural, it'll most likely take you someplace you don't want to go. probably ought to stop and say, do I need to make a hard right turn right now? Yeah, it may go against the flow, and it may ruffle some feathers, and it may upset some people. But are there some serious changes that I need to make right now? And if that's not the position you're in right now, let me just say this. and I know I've said this idea so many times before, but I want to say it again tonight. Let me just remind you, if you're not there right now, at some point in the future you will be. Because that's the way life works. You're going to be, and I'm going to be at some point in my life, some place where it's just natural to go here, when in that moment what I really need to do is take the road less traveled and just do what is right, no matter how difficult it may be. So tonight I encourage you to remember this. We have a choice. Understand this, we have a choice. Our future is not dictated to us or to us by anyone or anything else. We have a choice in how we live this life. And we have a choice as to the direction we're going to take. So in the end, it's really up to us and whether or not we want to do what's right before God. So I hope we remember that when we're in those moments and when we're in those situations. Let's so all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to see in the life of Hezekiah that he realized he had a choice he could make. And he chose to do what was right, even though it would not have been popular in the home that he was a part of. And God, I pray that you'd help us to remember tonight that no matter what our situation is, no matter what our circumstance is, we always have the road that is right available to us. There is nothing that you will bring our way where we have to do what is wrong. We can always do what is right if we choose to. So I pray that you'd help us to remember that tonight and in the days to come. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.